college football fans, your week one episode, your week one preview of the college football news podcast up and ready to go for you today. Hope you enjoyed week zero. Don't know if you did. Don't know if you didn't. But we'll recap that very briefly before getting you all set for everything involving week one this coming weekend. As always, I'm Nick Shepkowski alongside Pete Futek with you here on the College Football News Podcast. Pete, your thoughts of week zero? I don't care that they were sloppy. I don't care that both Arizona and Hawaii couldn't stop screwing up and Florida and Miami had problems. That was a blast. I I will take a lot more entertaining games like that. Tons to come on this episode of the College Football News Podcast. Coming up, we're going to talk to Brian No, NBC Sports. You can follow all of his work through that. He covers the Oregon Ducks, hosts a radio show up in Portland, knows the Ducks, knows the Pac-12. Get his thoughts on what happens in this week's big-time showdown Oregon representing the Pac-12. Does the conference finally get its huge win? We'll talk to Brian No about the game of the week this coming week here coming up shortly. Also to come for you, Scott Steen, winnersandwiners.com. He's the lead handicapper there. He'll look at five or six games from this week one slate and tell you which way he's leaning and why real quickly on the College Football News Podcast. Don't worry about how it looks. Don't get into a twist if not everything's sharp because there's no preseason. So if you're not blasting away 63-3 to on some directional FCS school, just it's okay. You're just getting through it to survive, advance, win week one, and don't freak out about it. Yeah, and it's a week one that features Oregon, Auburn, one of the best offensive lines in the game against one of the best defensive lines in the game, and we'll look in that more in depth here coming up. But it, it maybe doesn't have that many true, oh my goodness, got to be tuned in for this one. It's a, a strength in numbers schedule. You're, you're hoping that out of all the games that you're going to get something here and there. There's a lot of games Thursday and Friday night, so those should be relatively entertaining. But you're right. We're, we're just not quite having – I mean, even the, the Sunday night and Monday night games, which are usually these showcase things, I think Houston-Oklahoma is going to be a blast. Uh, but Monday night, Notre Dame at Louisville? Eh, hopefully. Hopefully Louisville shows up and plays well. But, again, you know, Virginia at Pitt, that's actually a really big game. But – try to move the needle on that one nationally Boise State Florida State okay it's kind of let's see what Florida State can do and Georgia at Vanderbilt Georgia are you the number three team that's it we'll see them right out of the gate Vanderbilt's a dangerous team no I don't think they're going to win this but that's again one of those games that you're going to watch but again Georgia Vanderbilt there's just not a whole lot there this week yeah and I was excited for the Florida State Boise game just because kind of names and I think that's one that okay Boise State has a great chance I if you're a freshman quarterback and your name isn't Trevor Lawrence though I don't like your odds going cross country to win I'm a fine. Big you know game. I, I I'm past that the whole idea of the freshman quarterback these guys come into this so so ready to go they're all they've gone through all the camps they've gone through all the training they they don't get phased it's not like it was 5 or even 10 years ago where these guys come in, oh, my God, I'm a freshman. Some of them do. Some of them needs the game to slow down a little bit. But these guys are cocky as hell. They know it, they're, they know <laughs> their stuff. They've been there. They're just It's like no big deal to them that they're playing in a game of this magnitude, especially if you're a Hank Backmeyer at uh, uh, Boise State. You're going to come in and, all right, let's go. Let's see what we can do here. Because if you win the starting job and you're a true freshman, you're going to be pretty good. So which one of these games, Oregon and Auburn aside, that's where game day is going to be. It's going to be your Saturday night special. That one aside, and we'll look at that in more detail here coming up shortly, but 
Take that away. Take that out of the equation. Which one of these games this weekend are you most looking forward to? Uh, I guess the Boise State-Florida State game, just because I want to see what Florida State is. Uh, if Boise State wins this, if you look at the rest of their schedule, put them on the short list of those teams that, that could get to the New Year's Six games from the, the group of five champions, assuming they win the Mountain West. For Florida State, start out hot. I mean, everyone likes to talk right now. Everyone's Harbaugh crazy about what Michigan can do, and they need to come out and just destroy Middle Tennessee. Willie Taggart needs a huge week one. That they just ha- they can't come out and just kind of nicely win. Boise State's good, but this is where Florida State's got to look like that number two team in the ACC. I almost want to say even in the loss, as as bad as they looked, Miami kind of had that look of the number two team in the ACC, and then. Virginia and Pitt again, not going to move the needle on a national scale. But that was what that was for the Coastal Division basically last season. And if you're Virginia and you probably are the best team in that division, let's see what you do on the road to start off the season. Yeah, first road game of the year is always test, always interesting. And Pitt's a team that wound up playing in the ACC championship game a season ago. For me, I maybe I'm going to get myself into trouble on this. I feel in. I hate doing this because they. Oh come on! Any, any time that I do this, they show up or they fail to show up and they make me look stupid. But any time that I bash them, they show up and they make me look stupid because they play perfectly well. Let me guess. North, well. Northwestern. I think Northwestern okay. goes on the road. Wow, I, that's my it. upset special of the week. Not, I like their chances going on the road against Stanford. They play better against the physical teams like Stanford is. It's the teams like Ohio State. It's the speed teams that kill them. Stanford is the perfect type of that game for them to go yeah, on the road, travel Stan- cross country, and play. But Stanford's pretty fast. I mean, this is remember they didn't run the ball lick last year. That this Stanford team had Bryce Love, and they they were that was a downfield passing team. KJ Costello is a is a next level talent quarterback. They're gonna bomb away on this Northwestern secondary. You're right. Uh, it's I'm scared of this game. I, that's I should have brought that one up. That one's gonna be a fun one to watch. Uh, but again, I don't know how fun. It's not two teams that are always like the most like exciting to watch, but it's usually right, a good this, brand of football. This feeds by into the narrative that Pac-12, for the love of God, wins some of these games. Like Arizona, Hawaii, <sighs> that was a blast. Don't lose to freaking Hawaii. I know they got that tippy-tappy offense thing, but come on, Arizona. Yeah, next week, it's going to be Oregon State. Then they get Washington. Just don't lose the Hawaii game. USC, don't lose to Fresno State. Oregon, you got to beat Auburn. Uh, you got to win these games if you're the Pac-12 or else the world. US, UCLA, Cincinnati early on, win these games because America needs the Pac-12 to be better. And if it loses all of them, no one's going to care about this league anymore. Yeah, no one's going to care about it. No one's going to be watching it when it starts its 9 a.m. kickoffs local They're not time doing them. Next They're year. Not, yeah, exactly. They should do them. <laughs> People bet on 9 a.m. games. People bet on games when they're asleep. Yeah, they did exactly. I found myself throwing down some money with the Rainbow Warriors and the Arizona Wildcats. The you other stay up night. all night for it, though. You're damn right, I did. Exactly because you. It cared. was on. Exactly because, because it was on. Yeah, it was a great game. It's fantastic. It, it was fun. That's right. Except my Khalil Tate uh, Heisman Trophy bet has already ripped up and thrown away because he couldn't get one more. Gosh, yard. get in the end zone, son. <laughs> Hit the weights. Hit the power in already. Get in there. Yeah. yeah. It's that that's a motivational video for every defensive lineman. Never quit on a play. That's what that's oh that's what that Give it should the old have college taught you. Try. Exactly. Other game that I am interested in, I don't think it's gonna come down to the wire, but I am interested to see how this offense goes on the road and performs because I think it's a very high-powered offense. It's going to be interesting. Dana Holgerson making his debut at Oklahoma on Sunday. I am scared to death of this game, of touching the, the line Touching on the this. number, the, or do you think that num- Oklahoma's on upset? I, I think both. I just this, There's something about this game 
that Houston's got the skill guys that it love the over. Just that, just falling deep and deep, deep in love with uh, going in a massive shootout in this game. I don't think either team stopped. I know Oklahoma's supposed to got this better defense now, and they're supposed to be stronger. I don't see it happening. I think this is going to be, you know, shootout. Whoever has the ball last, Derek King for Houston's going to have a humongous game. Uh, really, the eighty-two and a half. That's a massive, massive number to hit, and I am still. Loving the over by a mile on this. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Houston's getting the right amount of love for that. And it's I always wonder with it, okay, Oklahoma, oh, the defense is experienced. Well, if you're as bad as Oklahoma's defense was a year ago, does that experience count for anything? Well, Houston can't play a lick of D either. So Oklahoma could take care of 55 of this 82.5 all by itself. So you don't need a whole lot to hit the number. It's again, don't be. I, I like, especially in week one and week zero, as I said, my, my advice on that Hawaii Arizona game, the smart play was going to be the under because there was a chance that Arizona's defense was going to actually show up and decide to do something other than a three man front and actually hit the quarterback. Obviously, that didn't happen. But who wants to go stay up till 2 a.m. waiting for the under? No. You want to stay up and watch a shootout. And if you're going to sit there on Sunday night and watch this Houston-Oklahoma game, there's no fun hoping for the under on this. So that's an over. Yeah, I'm with you on that part of it. I don't think Houston's getting the love and the respect that they deserve in this game. Not saying that they go in there and pull the monumental upset, but I think Houston's better than a 24-point dog going on the road in Oklahoma. Time now to preview these games from a gambling perspective. For that, we go on out to the hotline. Winners and Winers is where you can find all of his work. He's the lead handicapper. Scott Steen, kind enough to join us. Check out their YouTube channel as well for Winners and Winers. Daily picks and videos are up there from their handicappers. All the information, all the insight on all of these games all season long. Scott, let's start with Northwestern and Stanford. What do you like in this game? Let's do it. I like I like those guys up in your neck of the woods. I like Northwestern. They're uh, bringing in Hunter Johnson, the Clemson transfer at quarterback. Uh, they've got this Isaiah Bowser kid. He's a very nice running back. I think he's going to fit in well. You know, uh, Stanford's got all kinds of problems. they got KJ Costello back at quarterback. That's about it. They lost Bryce Love. They lost three receivers to the NFL. A couple offensive linemen from a unit that wasn't that good. The defense is a mess. I like all kinds of Northwestern here. Give me, uh, give me Northwestern plus the six and a half. If you wanted to play them uh, straight up on the money line, probably wouldn't hate you for that either. I despise this pick, but I'm going Stanford to win, Northwestern to cover. It's, I, I it goes against everything I believe in. But you're right. This is going to be a close game. Stanford's a lot better than you're letting on. I, I. I really do like Stanford overall, but I'm picking Northwestern to at least cover in this game. It always ends up biting me in the rear when I pick this team to do well. Northwestern's going on the road. Northwestern's walking out with a road victory wow. straight up in this one. Second My game man. of the weekend to preview. Boise State goes, uh, seemingly it's a road game. Play Florida State in Orlando. What's going on? They're going They're Jacksonville. Jackson, in Jacksonville. What's going on between the Seminoles and the Broncos in this one? Jacksonville, it's the, it's the town that Orlando just dreams about being. Um, you know what? It, it is definitely a road game for, for Boise State. There are guys that are uh, they're going to be a good unit. I'm not sure they're going to be great early in the season. they got to replace Brett Rippon there at the quarterback. Uh, all, all five of their offensive linemen are back. That's going to help. They are stacked still at wide receiver, even after losing Sean Monster. Uh, Florida State, man, they are absolutely have to get off to a hot start after missing the bowl game for the first time in 36 years. Uh, James Blackman beat out uh, Alex Hornibrook from Wisconsin at quarterback spot. That was kind of a surprise. They need to fix the offensive line, and they need to get better on special teams. I think the defense is going to be much better this season. I think the 
me put it this way. They had better win this game. And on the play MGM lines, it's down to four and a half. People are hammering Boise State. You're giving me four and a half on this Florida State. I think that's an easy, easy play. It might have to struggle. It's going to be an ugly game, but they win by a touchdown. Boise State's really good. I'm just an elitist. I'm going to take the Power 5 team over the Group of 5 team that served me well with Arizona and uh, Hawaii, but I'm taking Florida State. Give me that. I'll give away that 4.5. Y'all don't need it. Yeah, I think, I, I think Florida State ends up winning this game, but I I just can't trust anything I saw from Willie Taggart in year one. It's proved don't me do it, Nick. wrong. Don't I'm not do it, taking Nick. Boise State to win, oh, but no, give me – I'm at least taking Boise State to cover the 4.5 if you're going to give what? me 4.5 on that because Florida State is, until they show you something, they're still a nothing to – me. The big game, Saturday night in Jerry World, Oregon, taking on Auburn, maybe a matchup of the best offensive line in football against the best defensive line in football. How do you handicap this one, Scott? Well, you know, I think we're required as, the, as handicappers anytime you're anytime you're doing a recording with people as you're required to take a Gus Malzahn is certainly on the hot seat. Um, it is gonna be, it's going to be all on Gus this year. He's calling his own place for the first time. It could be a matchup of a possible number one picks. you got the defensive lineman Derek Brown going for the Tigers. Um, against Justin Herbert, quarterback up there for the Ducks, I think it's going to be a great game. I just don't think the uh, I don't think the Ducks are going to have enough for them on offense. It's going to be entertaining. I think at the end of the day, that Auburn offense uh, defensive line, I think they wear them down. I think they get to Justin Herbert, and uh, I think that Auburn gets away with a victory there and covers the three points. If you're actually looking at this game on paper and you're looking at the matchups and you're looking at the talent and you're looking at the experience, there's nothing there that says that Auburn's going to win this game. You've got Justin Herbert, who should be the New York Giants starting quarterback right now, going against a true freshman. Auburn's offense still has to show it can do something. Oregon is loaded with NFL talent across the board. But it's an SEC versus Pac-12 game. I cannot pick against the SEC. I'm going to take Auburn minus three, the three and a half. And I don't, there's no right rhyme or reason for it. There's no rationale for it other than I'm just going to flat out take the SEC team and go from there. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way on this one. Pac-12, it just, it's the Florida State rule applies to them. Until you show me otherwise, I can't pick you to win a big game. I'm going with Auburn here to cover the three points in that. Sunday, Houston going on the road, taking on Oklahoma on in a nationally televised game there. The debut for Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars. How does it fare for them in Norman, Oklahoma? Well, I think if anybody watched that Arizona-Hawaii game and saw the total of 45-35, that could be the first half in this. Yeah, the, there um, we go. The total on this is 82-and-a-half. I don't know if I can make myself bet 82-and-a-half. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Do I'm, it. Come on, Scott. <laughs> well, I'm certainly not going to play the under. I'll tell you what I like here. I actually like Houston. And if, you, and if you just look at the math of it, if they can stop Oklahoma, if they can just start save that three times, they've served three times, they can cover that number. I don't think they win. I don't think they have a chance in hell of winning. But I think they can stop Oklahoma enough times that they can cover that 21-and-a-half points. It's going to be a fun game to watch. This is my uh, – this is the number one game I definitely want to see over the week. It's as if you listen to our first segment. And, yeah, absolutely. There, this is, it's a Sunday night. It's the only thing going. You really want to sit there and, and play the under? No. 82 and a half, go for it. it. You're right. This is going to be a crazy shootout. Oklahoma could cover at least 50 of that by itself. Uh, I, I give Houston at least a puncher's chance because of Derrick King in this offense. I don't think they do it, but I definitely think they cover this thing. At the very least, over, 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 just because it's more fun. Yeah, I'm with you on it, and I just think that the 24, God, you look at that. That's just so disrespectful to Houston. 
Way too much talent, way too much speed on that team for it to be 24. In Oklahoma, it might have an experienced defense. An experienced bad defense is what it is. I love the over with you guys, and I love the Houston getting 24 points there. Finally, weekend ends on Monday this week, Labor Day weekend. Notre Dame travels to Louisville to take on the Cardinals. First game with a new head coach for them. 20 and a half points is where that spread sits. Where do you see this one going, Scott? Well, you know, Louisville has such a bad defense. I'm surprised they're not playing in that uh, Oklahoma-Houston uh, game. That's how bad these guys are. Just absolutely dreadful. Nothing nothing really to point for uh, good about them. They were 125th in the nation or worse in points, yards, rushing yards, yards per carry, uh, everything except passing where they were kind of middle of the road. They've got Scott Satterfield in, the new head coach from App State. Uh, yeah, he may be the answer eventually, but he's still playing with mostly uh, – Mostly talent that Bobby Petrino recruited. I don't like anything about Louisville here. Ian Book is back for Notre Dame. They got four offensive linemen returning. Uh, the defense returned six starters. They definitely lost some talent. I think that the, the Irish get it done, even on the road against the Louisville Cardinals. Mike, I think point. Louisville covers. I think they make this scary. I think last year was a total aberration. That that was a very good team that just lost its mojo right away and couldn't get it back. I think that, remember how decent it was for a couple years. I know it was all Lamar Jackson, but I think they take this game close and it's going to cover, and it's going to be a more entertaining game than I think people are going to expect it to be. Everyone's going to wait for a Notre Dame blowout. I think Louisville makes this a fun. They're going to cover the 20 and a half. Wow, that's where Pete's going on it. I just Come on, Notre Dame, Nick. I know where you're going here. Yeah, I'm not taking Notre Dame to cover it. I don't think that it comes down to like the last minute or anything like that, but it's not a team that's looked pretty under Brian Kelly the first time they go away from home. Not to say they lose games, but they don't always look good in getting the victories. I think it's another case of that here. I know that you're a big Mizzou guy, Scott. What's going on with the Tigers this year? What's going on with them week one in Wyoming? Well, you know, it's really, really a kind of a mixed blessing for Mizzou fans this year. We've got Kelly Bryant, who came over from Clemson, going to be the starting quarterback, uh, taking over for Drew Locke. But uh, we've got this horrible uh, penalty hanging over our head with uh, no conference championship and no bowl appearance. So we'll have to see. They haven't decided on our field yet. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, I, Mizzou traditionally is not a great, uh, it's not a great non-con starter on the road. They, they go up there in, uh, in uh, Wyoming. And they're laying 17 and a half. I don't like that number. I think that's a scary number uh, for a brand new quarterback. A lot of guys that are new at the skill positions. I think that uh, Wyoming, while they don't win, I think they. Uh, I think that's the game where your favorite gets scared. I think Wyoming covers that number against the Missouri Tigers. As much as as much as I hate to say it, bleeding black and gold as I do. Uh, I think it could be kind of a, a slow start getting, uh, getting going. For I am in love with this Mizzou team. I think until they overturn it because they got completely jobbed because Mississippi State just got a stern finger wagging and right. for pretty much the same thing as opposed to what Mizzou got. Until that happens, I think this is one ticked off team. Wyoming has no offense. They they just they did have an offense last year. They're not going to have an offense this year. Not against this Mizzou SEC defense. I will be stunned if Mizzou doesn't come out and just beat them down and easily easily cover the spread on this thing. I like this Tiger team. I think they cover this thing with ease. But again, I'm not the Mizzou guy. Yeah, I'm not the Mizzou guy either. But I did marry a Mizzou woman. I have Mizzou rolling in this game, winning easily. I have them covering the big number and to take it a step further. They're eight and zero when they go to Georgia on November 9th. Yeah. Well, and I will put the caveat out there that as a lifelong Mizzou fan, uh, that comes with being an eternal pessimist on everything involving Mizzou sports. So you guys probably have the clearer head and the better perspective on this. 
a little bit here, but no, I, I actually think it's a it's a theory that they're going to play like play really well. I do think Kelly Bryant's going to be amazing. He is my pick to be that star who rises up through the NFL draft this year. I think Mizzou, again, is that team to watch out for. And also watch out for the NCAA to overturn this thing in a couple weeks. Could be right. Scott, appreciate the time. As always, winners and whiners is where you can file, file all of his work. Lead Handicapper there. YouTube channel as well. There's daily picks out there in video form. All the handicappers from winners and whiners participating in that. Scott, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Pleasure as always. Personally, to me, Missouri is a team that I am high on. I just look at that schedule, and I think it's going to be one of your stories of the year, Pete. I, you asked us uh, on our expert section of the College Football News website, what's your storyline of the year? What's your oddest story, I think, was the way that you worded the question. I said Missouri's going to start 8-0. They're going to go into the Georgia game unbeaten, and their eligibility for the college football playoff is going to be discussed in the weeks leading up to that when the college football playoff rankings come out the couple of weeks before that. There is a huge game this week, not involving so much the Missouri Tigers, even though Wyoming is a plenty formidable foe. Oregon going down to Dallas to take on the Auburn Tigers. Let's break that down. Oregon going to Dallas to take on Auburn and the Tigers and Jerry World. The No Show. Brian No is who we check out these Oregon Ducks team with. What is the mood like there? Do Duck fans, are there, is there cautious optimism? Have they drunk the Kool-Aid and they think they're going to just blow out or- Auburn? What's the mood there in Portland, the general area? You know what's weird, Pete, is it's really case by case. There are some Duck fans that are very chesty, right? Like Duck fans who haven't won a national championship. If you didn't know any better, you would think they'd have as many as Alabama or USC or any one of the big powerhouse schools. They don't. So you get that certain section of Duck fans that think they're going to roll anybody. And then you get those sort of pessimistic, cautiously optimistic Duck fans that, I mean – Based on what the Pac-12 has done lately and based on what the Ducks have done the last couple of years, even with Justin Herbert, this is not a gimme by any stretch. So you get a weird mix of, oh, we got them, compared to, eh, I don't know how we're going to fare exactly. Is there sort of a feeling with when it comes to not just Oregon, but I, I know you don't, you know, Fans don't like other teams in their own conferences, but is it kind of like brothers in arms here? Like, come on, USC, come on, beat Fresno State. Stanford, come on, beat Northwestern. Pump up this conference already so it matters overall, or is it just like, ah, screw it, we just care about Oregon? I mean, there's, there's, it's been so downtrodden, right? There is a sense of if we can just boost this conference up, like, for instance, uh, like we talked yesterday and Arizona going down to Hawaii. I don't think that every Oregon fan cried itself to sleep, but it's one of these like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Like the Pac-12 gets beaten up because Arizona can't beat Hawaii. It's that sort of thing. Like, don't get in our way, right? Like, we don't want you to be a roadblock when it comes to our success. But goodness, can you just make us look respectable? That's pretty much the general feeling when it comes and to that's part of other the problem. teams in the pack. Last year, Washington State was right in it. They had the one loss on the year to USC early on. 
They were going to potentially, if they'd beaten Washington, they might have gone to be a one-loss Pac-12 champion, and they weren't within a 1,000 miles of getting into the college football playoff just because the Pac-12 got zero respect possible. But that's where Oregon's got to take this. If you guys, and you're, I say you guys, but your area's team uh, pulls off a big win and looks good doing it uh, against the SEC's Auburn, then all of a sudden, yeah, there's the respect you need. It kind of doesn't matter what the rest of the Pac-12 does. Right, and man, the SEC could go a long way to helping out the Pac-12, like you just mentioned here. If Oregon's able to beat Auburn, and it's like Auburn's not up there with Bama, but it's still, it's a team from the SEC, and the SEC still has a lot of respectability. For where the Pac-12 has been, that would be a big shot in the arm. And you're right, when you start looking at the non-conference schedule for Oregon outside, they've got Montana and Nevada. What's that going to do in terms of a college football playoff berth if they drop this game to Auburn? And if the Pac-12 collectively isn't getting a whole lot of respectability, and rightfully so, you got to beat Auburn. This is a must-have type game for Oregon. And looking at it, the rest of the conference, it's not like there's that marquee game that's remaining on the schedule for anyone. USC-Notre Dame should be big, but the problems that USC has had. You look at Washington, Eastern Washington out of conference. You see Oklahoma in its house? That's a game. That's something. I'm just talking, looking at, uh, if it doesn't happen this week for the Pac-12, I feel like that that almost that narrative is set for the duration of this college football season. Yeah, and Nick, it's kind of, I'll go in a random direction. It's what James Harden had to say about the MVP race a couple of weeks ago. He basically said, once people get a thought in their mind, they they really don't deviate from it a whole lot. So really, ask yourself, if Oregon goes out and loses to Auburn, coupled with everything else that we've seen with the Pac-12 not be able to do, where does the narrative shift Where do people all of a sudden come around to the Pac-12 and come around to a team that might be worthy to represent it if they don't run the table? Like, it's probably not going to happen. It's got to start in the positive direction this Saturday for Oregon and also the Pac-12. Well, plus the problem is this, too, is that if USC is not great and UCLA is not great and Oregon loses – Stanford doesn't move the needle. It just doesn't. Washington State doesn't really get people all fired up. Oregon you know, is a marquee program. It's a name program. It's been in the college football playoff. Washington's been in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. So if Washington doesn't rock and roll and uh, USC doesn't rise up and get better, you're right. It's kind of hard to get this conference a whole lot of love, especially when you've got these games played at night, which leads me to Pac-12 9 a.m. gate here. Where do you stand living in the Pacific time zone on the whole 9 a.m. controversy? And I'm using air quotes on a podcast here uh, when it comes to the Pac-12. and Will they play their games earlier next year at some point? I like it. Like, look, there are pluses, there are minuses, positives, drawbacks. I talked to Brian Lindgren today. He's the offensive coordinator for Oregon State. and He was all about it. He's like, yeah, bring it on. I'd love it. And it's not great all across the board. I understand it. If you're tailgating and you're a fan, you don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to a game. I get that. We're talking one game a year most likely. It's not like your team, pick a Pac-12 team, is going to be playing 9 a.m. games like every single week. We're talking one, maybe two weeks, and you showcase the conference in a different window. There are a lot of people that just don't pay attention. 
You know, if you're in the Midwest, if you're on the East Coast, if you're in the South, you're probably not watching Pac-12 after dark. And it's a shame that there are some teams that are worth watching. Like you mentioned, Oregon, USC, they're interesting. If they're accessible and it works into your life, you're probably going to check them out. If it doesn't, I don't think you're going to go out of your way and you're going to miss a lot of stuff along the way. So I'm a fan of it. I understand the drawbacks. But to act like it's just drawback city all across the board, I don't agree yeah, with it's that. It's hard to bet on games that you're sleeping, too. So that, that's why you need the earlier games so people yeah. care about that. That's right. Yeah, what fun is that? You gotta. Who says I'm going to put some action on this game so I can get a good night's rest? You know, no one says that. Yeah, no one in their right mind whatsoever. So who? what breaks down first, or which carries the team further, I guess I should ask? Is it Oregon's offensive line that seems to be as good as any in the in the entire country? Is it Auburn's defensive line that you can probably say the same thing for? Which one do you have more faith in? Which one carries more weight into a battle like this? I have more faith in Oregon's offensive line, and I'm not homering out on you guys, but all five of these dudes are going to be in the NFL. And they all came back from last year. So they've played alongside each other. They've got great chemistry. They're all NFL prospects. And with all due respect, we know about Derek Brown. We know about the uh, Auburn defensive line. That's going to be a great battle. But who I have more faith in, yeah, it would be the strength of that Oregon offensive line. And for a second, I mean, we always talk about fantasy football and the skill possession position players and all of that. And it's great. I love it. But, man, you look at the battle in the trenches. If you just want to watch that type of battle, when Oregon has the football, it's going to be awesome. So if Oregon loses on Monday when you're taking calls, how many of the calls are about Mario Cristobal screwing this up? I think they're, if they drop it, it's going to be more so about Marcus Arroyo, the offensive coordinator, okay. because he he just isn't highly thought of, right? Like, you've got to – a top 10 quarterback prospect for the NFL in Justin Herbert, and they're beating Michigan State 7-6 to six last year. To be year, fair, you know? that Michigan State defense is was a killer, and True. they still got it done. True, absolutely. But I pick out one game, and I look at the rest of the season. Justin Herbert, he had two 300-yard passing games last year. Two. We're talking the Pac-12 here. It's not, you know, the 85 Bears everywhere you look. <laughs> So he just hasn't shown a whole lot of offensive imagination. And my hunch would be if the Ducks lose, there's probably a lot more venom directed toward Marcus Arroyo than it is Chris. Is that kind of it, though? Because the Oregon fans, you haven't won the national championships like you kind of alluded to before, but you've done it with style, done it with foot. You've done it with this, you know, pizzazz, tippy tappy offense that goes a thousand miles an hour. That's a whole ton of fun. Is it style points here? There's a little bit to, to be said about that. Like, think about a culture shift where Mario Cristobal is all about physicality, winning the battle in the trenches, and that's not what the foundation of Oregon's success was going back to the Chip Kelly days, right? So it'd be, it's a little bit like take Nebraska, where they were so successful with the option offense, and then they bring in this passing offense. If it isn't successful – there's pushback. It's like, why change something that's working? That's how fans think. There are still so people if Chris Ball has a different way, formula. The option. There, there's still, there's still yeah. people pining for the wishbone <laughs> and Jamel Holloway and J.C. Watts back down there at Oklahoma even after all this. I know. As if times haven't changed, right? Like, as if we have the same rules, same recruits, same principles, same everything. But, yeah, the point is, 
if it isn't successful, people are like, why deviate from success? So best believe, to your point, Pete, if Oregon doesn't get it done and it's a different formula from the most successful time in Oregon football, yeah, some people are going to question But look at it. what's won in the Pac-12, and here's the crazy part about it. The Pac-12, known for this high-flying offensive conference, Washington, tough as nails yep. under Chris Peterson with that great defense, and they've got uh, NFL offensive linemen, a tough running game. Stanford, which yep. has been building up, building up their offensive line. Bryce Love in the, a couple years ago with the running game, the power, and the defense. Utah. They've been so, And Utah mm-hmm. is like a big, old schoolish Big Ten team. It's now trying to be a little more uh, pass-happy. So it, is been, it has been the physical teams that have been able to succeed in that league. That's right. And look, like physicality is the foundation of football, even going back to the Oregon, you know, bubble screens, basketball on grass. That was the way it was thought of, but they're still running the football with great effectiveness for a lot of years. So it's not just finesse. You can't finesse your way to, you know, 11 and one, 12 and zero when you're pay- playing in a, a, a big time power five conference, but yeah, it's just perception and reality. And a lot of fans, they're not the brightest. You know, they're not the <laughs> coldest beers in the fridge. Wait, college football so, fans are delusional? The hell you yeah, say. I know. Crazy. I'm bringing crazy off-the-wall takes here to your podcast. But yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. Well, looking at Oregon's schedule this year, like, what is the expectation for the locals? And I know that when you, when you ask the locals, when you ask the college football fans, we just kind of hinted of where their minds can go. But I can't assume that, like, the expectation is, oh, my God, this team better go to the college football playoff or it's a disaster of a year. Because you go out, this game's essentially a road game. The crowd's going to be very pro-Auburn. SEC travels very well to Dallas. Then there's road games at Stanford, Washington, USC, Arizona State late in the year. I don't know who Mario Cristobal ticked off in the Pac-12 offices, but, God, it's just a schedule that is not favorable whatsoever. Then you throw the potential Pac-12 championship game on top of it. Like, what is the expectation or what would be considered a success for this season for Ducks fans? I think, well, it is a mixed bag. You got the the people that are like, oh, they should run the table. Some people are, are way less optimistic or crazy, right? But for the most part, I've been having to talk people in to thinking it's unacceptable to lose to Auburn, right? Like I, I shouldn't have to talk you into that, but that's what I've had to do the weeks leading up to this game. You've got Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's a top 10 NFL prospect. You've got Bo Nix might turn out to be a good quarterback. It's his first start. He's a Daisy fresh freshman, right? And if you have a, a very good offensive line, which Oregon does have arguably the best in the country, they're fantastic. If you are able to at least hold your own, the battle of the trenches, possibly win the battle of the, of the trenches, coupled with Justin Herbert, that's a game you should win. It should be unacceptable for you to lose that game. And I just don't think that's the mainstream opinion a lot of Ducks fans have. I cannot come up with a reason why Oregon should lose this game, at least based on exactly what you said. They've got the veteran quarterback against the true freshman. They've got the NFL offensive line. They've got the NFL talent and experience across the board against a shaky team that might be eh, the seventh best team in the SEC this season. And I can't do it. I can't pull it. I, I'm just why am I? It's the, it's the dumbest analysis possible. I'm going to pick Auburn to win this game because it's the freaking SEC, and I don't believe in the Pac-12. Where are you going with this? I'm going to go with Oregon. You know, I, I totally hear you, Pete. It's, it's a smart a, play. It's a, they're, they're better. Type thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think it's maybe it's a little bit like the Cleveland Browns, right? If there's that little voice in your head that says, but it's the freaking Browns. Like, are you really taking the Browns in this game? You know, if it's a big game, I think there's that feeling with Oregon just based on recent history and also the Pac-12 versus SEC thing. I get it why you wouldn't go with them, but I'm going to go with it. Like my football mind says they should win this game and I'm going to bet on the team that should win the game. There is a part of me that feels like once we're like midway through the first half of this game, it's going to be obvious to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oregon's dominating this thing. Of course they are. Of course they should be. And I won't be the slightest bit shy. And actually I sort of root for it. I want the PAC 12 to be good. I I hate that you have part of this country that just is eliminated from college football right out of the gate. So I would love it if Oregon came out hot I just, again, I can't do it. I can't pick it. Yeah. It's not in my DNA. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, I look at it, and it's, it's <laughs> I have a certain rules that are applied to the 2019 season. One of them's Florida State. I'm not putting any faith in them this year until they prove otherwise. Pac-12 in big-time situations. I'm the same way. I, I, I would are love you taking to see... the points, though? Are you taking the three and a half? Of course you are. You have to. Three, yeah. It's three and a half. You can't be that if it, guy. Yeah if, it's, yeah, if it's a point less, oh, then obviously I'm not. 23-20. Then you tip your hat and you move on. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be yeah. 23-20. I think you're looking at a higher scoring game than that. But, yeah, I, I guess you give me a three and a, or you give me three and a half, I have to take the three and a half. But in terms of win-loss, still taking Auburn. I'll say real quick, you know, what's funny is, you know as well as I do, this would just be a first step, like a, a one of the blocks – in terms of like the building blocks toward respectability for the Pac-12, because if if Oregon wins this game, it's mostly going to be about what the hell happened to an SEC team, you know? Like that's how far the Pac-12 has fallen with their horrible bowl record these I, last I couple think, of years. I kind of think they would be more pro Oregon than anti Auburn. If it was Alabama or LSU or well, Georgia, think, yeah. that would then I would kind of be with you. Yeah, but look how Auburn enters this year. Gus Melzon's already on the hot 16, seat to start the think, season. And so you have that, and that's what the storyline that gets carried away with. Oh, my God, he lost the out-of-conference game to start the year. There's no way Auburn's bouncing back, and how long until they fire him? Yeah. Yeah, I think, to your point, Pete, I think it's a hybrid. I think Oregon would get more shine than Auburn, but in terms of conferences, I think it's all about what the hell, Pac-12 won? What happened to the SEC? I think it's more so about the slings and arrows toward the SEC than the props of the Pac-12. Awesome stuff. Appreciate you taking the time, Brian. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed the game Saturday, and hopefully, uh, I guess for our purposes, hopefully good things happen to Oregon so we can keep talking to you. I'm with that. Yeah, you know, like I hadn't even thought about that. Go Ducks absolutely even more so so I can come back on your podcast and you don't lose my number if they start off 0-1. Or know? actually, or be really, really bad, and then we'll call you and be like, what the hell happened to the Ducks? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll root for greatness or just utter horridness. Yeah. yeah, just don't root for 500 because that's the worst thing for a sports radio host. Brian, appreciate you taking the time. This was a lot of fun. Be well. Enjoy Saturday night. Same with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Time now for our weekly edition of the Power Five looks inside the Power Five conferences in football. Some of the under-the-rug type stories that aren't getting as much love and preview of some games that might not be getting as much love nationally. We start the ACC. Is this a battle for who will be the coastal champ in the ACC? Pitt hosts Virginia in week one 
Pitt a two and a half point dog on their home turf. Uh, it's if it's not for the Coastal title because Miami's pretty good. I think Virginia Tech's going to bounce back. It might be an elimination game, especially if it's Pitt who loses this thing at home. Uh, they've they've had Virginia's number lately over the last several years. They got them last year uh, in Charlottesville. I I like Pitt. I like their backfield. This Virginia team looks like it's a killer. Bryce Perkins is terrific. I am taking Virginia and giving away the two and a half points on the road. I hate, but uh, I'm going to go with the Cavaliers. I think this is their year. I'm always scared. I always scared teams first true road game of a season. And it scares me about Virginia because I think they're as talented. And I think they're as good as anyone in their division but I hate that this game's being played in week one. It's being played in week six or week eight. I feel a lot better about Virginia. I think the talent prevails. I don't necessarily feel good about it. I think they escape with a win by the skin of their teeth. Which who who escapes? Virginia. Virginia. Okay. By barely. You're not, I, you're not I, gonna I, take. You're, not, you're taking with a spread. Then you're not gonna give away two and a half and say. I, I mean, no, no, no. I no, guess. No, I guess. No. Yeah. Why would I take anything under yes, three? Yes. You're right, but it's just I don't feel good. So about Virginia the two and the two and a half. You got okay. No, yeah, Virginia, but I'm telling here you, if you I'm, I'm telling you, this is not going to be a pretty win for Virginia. They get out on some craziness, some weird play at the end or something lets them escape with the victory. Other game we want to look at, uh, four more of these actually to look at. Texas, high expectations this year, taking on Terry Bradshaw's Louisiana Tech squad that he had Are strong still thoughts Terry Bradshaw's on. Yeah, he was the one running he, his mouth uh, all offseason right, about forgot. it. Yeah, he loves them. Yeah, but that's the game going on with Texas, what's expected to be a big year for them. How do you see the Longhorns and La Tech matching up? I Louisiana Tech is going to have enough firepower to at least make this interesting. I don't think it's going to be a total wipeout. Uh, I do kind of like the, the Bulldogs to at least hang around a little bit. They don't have the pass rush from last year, though, and that's going to be the big problem. Uh, I think the Longhorns pull this off. I, I'm going to take them to cover the spread as well, mainly because that defense is going to hold Louisiana Tech to field goals instead of touchdowns. 20 halves, a little bit of a large number. Do it anyway. Take the Longhorns. I have that the little emoji with the eyeballs looking out the <laughs> side. That's Texas this week. And what they're looking at is LSU oh, coming to town yeah. a week from now. Eyes on that prize. That's going to be a huge one in week two this season. I don't think it's upset watch. I don't think it's, oh, my God, Texas, be alert here. La Tech might scare you. They might jump up and get you. They do I don't that, think they though. cover in three touchdowns, That's though. the scary part is Tom Herman, like that Kansas game last year, is still sticking in my head. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I'm going to just go. Again, my theory on week one and week zero is don't get cute. Go that's with what you know. That's part of what I think. And that's why just... I went 0-2 in week zero. But, I'm gonna, again, just I'm not going to get cute here. Texas in the 20 and a half just you know, drive through the skid. Yeah, I, I just look at it, and I think it's just one of those of, all right, just kind of survive. You got a huge chance next week with LSU coming to town. Just get by without any injuries. Don't mess this thing up on August 31st against Louisiana Tech. Survive, advance. I think that's what Texas does. I yeah, don't think it's pretty. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of field goals. I think the defense comes through, even though it's rebuilding a little bit. Huge year for Michigan. Expectations as high as they've been in the Jim Harbaugh era. They get kicked off against Middle Tennessee this week. What's up with the Wolverines? Minus 34. That is a lot. I'm still doing it. I just, 
there's so much there's just so much around this program right now. There's so much pressure. Can Jim Harbaugh win a big game? We're going to see this new look offense against a Middle Tennessee team that's got a whole lot of talent but is build, rebuilding back up a little bit. Uh, again, it's 34 points. That's a lot to give away. I'm still doing it. I'm still going to believe that Michigan's defense is it's maybe not be where it was last year, uh, but it's certainly close. I'm going to take the Wolverines and give away those points. You know what Michigan's playing? Who are they playing? Middle Tennessee? Yes. What does that mean? It means that it's not some premier program. It's not a big They're game. They're pretty good. When does Jim Harbaugh win and when does Jim Harbaugh route opponents? When it's not a big game. Michigan rolls well, in this they, one. They, Michigan they wins this big games thing last year, but easily. Yeah. Easily Michigan runs away with this oh, thing. No 34 is not enough. That's, 34 is be, not enough. They gotta hit, that means they got to hang like 45 on the board. Harbaugh is trying to, to prove something. He'll run it up against Middle Tennessee and get out with a pretty win. There'll be everyone's. All right. Everyone will be in love with All Michigan right. after week one. No, oh, my God. They're back. The, the Wolverines are I'm for gonna real. Put it this way. They and then the big better. guys will show up on their schedule they here had in a few weeks. better rim rock Middle Tennessee because if it's like 28-23, there's a whole lot of problems after that. Yeah. I don't love Michigan for this year, but I do love them for this week. Another team that's an interesting one this year. Expectations might not be sky high. USC, a first six weeks for them that is just murderer's row of a schedule. Doesn't start with an easy out-of-conference date with Fresno State. Then they're ranked lower. They got one vote in the AP poll. Fresno State, I believe, got four. And they're, what, 13.5-point favorites mm-hmm. in this? That's... <sighs> This is a stupid pick because there's just I, I'm the elitist in me is always going to go with the power fivers. I'm taking Fresno State in the points. I do think USC wins at home in a low scoring, ugly slugfest of the game of a game. I believe in Jeff Tedford's program. They lose everything from last year's team. They're still going to be pretty awesome. Uh, I'm taking I, 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 it's you. I have a feeling USC wins like 27 to 10 and screws this up. But I'm taking Fresno State. I just think that this defense is going to be good enough to keep it a little bit closer. I think it's kind of like what the, on a smaller scale, what Texas is facing. Next week, Stanford comes to town. And Stanford's been a team that USC has had their troubles with really for the last decade. And I think it's just one of those surviving advances. And Clay Helton going to be coaching for his job. A little bit of the same boat as Michigan, where they got this new offense. It's going to be a little more Texas Tech-y like. Uh, They're going to try to get this thing firing up right away it's asking a lot to be sharp right out of the gate we don't know so this is where it would be nice if we had a preseason game to go off to see how sharp this thing is i'm just going to kind of go with the idea that jeff tedford's going to have this defense going again i'm taking fresno state in the points yeah i'm taking fresno state in the points too i think usc wins it and i don't think it's pretty but the trojans start off a season a huge year for clay helton he's at least he saves himself from getting on a hotter seat at least urban watch 2019's held off for another day yeah exactly uh UGA, the Bulldogs, expectations, sky high for them. It's SEC title, it's national championship or bust. That's the only SEC game in town this week. Georgia goes on the road to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. What happens there? I, I'm going to take Georgia, but it's going to take a while to pull away. Uh, their lines are just too good. Vanderbilt's got the skill guys. They have got enough offensive talent where they can at least make this interesting and fun to a point. It's going to be a struggle. I think Georgia sputters a little bit. And then in the, in the fourth quarter, Jake Fromm, the offense finally gets going. You're going to, you take Georgia and you give away the 21, but I think you're going to sweat this one out. 
Yeah, I like Keyshawn Vaughn for Vanderbilt. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or look at him at Twitter ever, but he's just he's kind of a loud mouth. And, uh, hey, don't forget about me. Pretty he's, damn good running back he here. Is, he is. It, he was great last year. He's it, fantastic. It makes me root for him. I just don't think that uh, Vanderbilt has the dogs to keep up on this one. Pun in, intended. Yeah. Uh. in that there, the lines are just too strong on Georgia. They wear them down both sides of the ball, and they eventually cover that number. So there you go. There's your five extra games. There's your power five for week one. What's your plan for Saturday? What's a Pete Futek do? on week one of the college football Nothing. season. I don't leave for I don't leave my desk for the next three months. I just sit there and watch college football and write things about it and try to take it all in at once. It's fun. There's I wish there were more interesting games out there, but you know what? Every game is beautiful in its own way. And look stri- at you. You're again, getting deep on here. I know, feel stri- like you're laying on a couch yeah, talking fo- to me. Football is us. Uh football <laughs> because there are so many games, we're gonna get something that's gonna be entertaining. I mean really I mean how good was Hawaii, Arizona at the end of the day? We're going to get a couple of those. We'll get some logo blowouts. You just got to kind of keep looking around and find the ones that are beautiful. That's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. This has been the Power Five. This has been the College Football News Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to this. Make sure to rate this on iTunes. All of that jazz. Make sure you share it as well. Big thank you to our guests in this episode. Brian No joined us. Talk some Oregon football, some Pac-12 football, previewing the Ducks and Auburn this week. That was a lot of fun to, to, to pick his brain about all of that. And our guy Scott Steen from Winners and Winers joined us as well. For Pete Futek, I'm Nick Shepkowski. Been listening to the College Football News Podcast. Be sure to check us out next week as well.